JB, let me ask you, do you think there's a stereotype when it comes to creative? Like, is there, when people say, oh, they're creative, like, what does that mean? What stereotypes come to mind? Well, in the workplace, creative people have a reputation of being expressive and wanting to, you know, do their art and, and they, and they can play like, here's an idea and here's another idea. And I'm, I'm imaginative, but meanwhile, if it's in a business, all of that imagination and expression is tick tock, tick tock, ticking away. And with the time goes the money. Absolutely. So there's this conflict between the creative side and the business. I think our guest today really has a lot to teach us about how you can balance the needs of the business and a creative organization. Today's guest is Patrick Brennan, former leader in Disney Imagineering, and he's going to tell us about the business of creativity and share some of his best leadership advice. Please stay with us. Welcome. I'm your host, JB Adams. And I'm your host, Rebecca Morgan. In this series, we bring you conversations with experienced leaders. Because a leader is anyone who influences change, we want to understand not just what leaders do, but who they are and how they can be effective in a rapidly changing world. We hope you'll learn some things about our guests, about our topic, and also about yourself. This is Leadership Life Stories. You can find episodes of this and all other Victor Media Group shows on our website at victormediagroup.co. And if you like what you're hearing, subscribe and connect with us on your favorite social media platform. We'll be right back after this important message. Well, hi there, listeners. It's Rebecca Morgan. If you told my younger self you are going to love talking about leadership, and when you grow up, you will lead hundreds and develop thousands of managers and leaders and create great places to work, I would have laughed at the idea because I was focused on becoming a dolphin trainer. Yeah, while I still love dolphins, what I really love to do is leadership development. So much so that I created the Awesome Leader League, the ultimate collection of people-centered leadership skills to help you be a better leader. If you're looking for ways to become more confident in an effective people-centered leader that people will trip over their own feet to follow, this is your resource. And did I mention we do it in 20 minutes or less? Join us now at theawesomeleaderleague.com. Welcome to Leadership Life Stories. I'm Rebecca Morgan and my co-host is JB Adams. This season of Leadership Life Stories is devoted to examining Disney leadership as the Walt Disney World Resort celebrates its 50th anniversary. Today's guest is Patrick Brennan. He enjoyed a 32-year career at Walt Disney Imagineering, where he served as Vice President of Creative Development and Director of Design and Production, among other roles. He has contributed to the development of attractions at every one of Disney's theme parks around the world, and because he started his Imagineering career in 1980, we would say that he is of the Epcot generation of Imagineers. He's retired from Disney, continues to do contract work in attractions design, and he currently serves as an adjunct professor at the University of Central Florida, teaching themed experience design. This segment is called The Greatest Accomplishment, and it gives us a chance to understand how leaders define success. Now, Rebecca, before we jump into the interview, we need to set some context. Yes, that's a really good idea. So what would you like to start with? Patrick is going to tell a story that is not about Walt Disney World, but is rather about the time when he was the field art director for Critter Country, which is a land that was added to Tokyo Disneyland in the early 1990s. Yes. He's also going to mention Randy Pouch. Randy Pausch was the author of a very popular book called The Last Lecture. So good. So good. 
So in this segment, we're going to ask Patrick how he defines success and be thinking about that as you listen to him share his definition. When we are able to deliver the creative vision on time and on budget. <laughs> Can't Not say always... it any simpler than that. <laughs> no, no. Yes. But, I, but I, I do want to say that the creative vision is the, the key and everyone should be supporting it. This is why we exist. This is where we get our greatest reward economically and emotionally to actually deliver on the creative idea. Is there an accomplishment that comes to mind when you think of success? I think I've already talked about it. This was my global role of bridge builder and communicator so that I could talk with anyone and anyone could talk with me and be able to move things forward no matter what it was. If it was project issues, creative issues, personnel issues, that I was able to be at the table. One of the things that I always remember about Randy Pausch, who was one of our, the fellows at Imagineering, you know, if you want to be there, you have to, you have to bring something to the table. And if you want to be invited, you got to bring something to the table. You got to be willing to do the work and to deliver again, that, that idea of being a professional. I, I, it's my greatest accomplishment to me. I could talk about leading my favorite project, which was Splash Mountain in Tokyo. What I want to hear about is why you consider that the accomplishment. How did that define success for you? Oh, forget it. I mean, that's just, I put together an amazing team. I, I was the overall field art director for the project. So people like Joel and Cicero were the ones that actually kind of led the design okay. up to that point. So I don't want to say that lay claim for all of it. Certainly the, the ability to implement gives you a lot of range and um, influence. And I do feel I brought a lot to the table for that project. Tokyo Disneyland, I got to work on it at the origin of the park, the original park, right after Epcot. Even before Epcot opened, I was in Tokyo. So I already had a strong connection with that park. And I already had working experience with Oriental Land Company. And it's a unique experience. Think about what I'm saying when I say this. We neither own nor do we operate Tokyo Disneyland, one of the most successful parks in the world, bar none. And, so and for I, the sake of the listeners, Oriana Land Company owns and operates Tokyo Disneyland. Disney basically just has a licensing agreement. Yeah. It's a very powerful agreement. It is our product. Mm -hmm. It is our IP. And Oriental Land Company has to partner with us for anything we do there. All right. But it's their money, it's their operation, mm -hmm. and we share in the profits of that park. For Splash Mountain, one of the things that we did was we tried to create a blended organization with Oriental Land Company and with Imagineering as a creative team. So we took some, I'm going to describe them as production designer, art directors from Oriental Land Company and put them into our creative team. So I'm the overall art director, but I have some different team members, people that I knew from the original park very well and worked with them before. It was very successful because it was such a big project. It was a whole land. To say it was Splash Mountain is a misnomer. It was really, it's really critter country. 
it was a, it was an incomplete land. It had a 400 seat restaurant. Every square inch of that restaurant was themed to look like a burrowed out mountain where Grandma Sarah, a possum, was the cook. And you had this burrowed out environment and it is it is completely done. And you had Splash Mountain itself and we had Davy Crockett canoes, which had to be converted to Beaver Brothers canoes. So the whole thing had to change and we had to move the Western River Railroad. We had to move it to make room. We had to make it smaller because we had this little piece of land, this land sandwiched between the Haunted Mansion and the river. And we need as much room as we could. So we actually truncated the track. That's the first thing I did. I went there in 89 and that was my first part of the project was for me to art direct and, and direct that completion of that part of the project so that we could then build a wall and build the attraction after that. So the thing I'm, t I'm talking about is this collaboration between two different cultures, two different companies, and they had a very complex setup. There was an overall contractor, but there were four subcontractors mm. and everything was split up. And I mean, you're working on the, the mountain and there is a single straight line dividing this group's scope of work and this group's scope of work. And you're going, wait, no, no, you're not going to draw a line there. You need to, <laughs> so you had to really negotiate to, to be practical, a little bit practical about that. So it was just a lot of fun challenges. And the, the thing that was, that I think was significant is being able to work with Japanese craftsmen and Japanese subcontractors that were actually doing the, the final work and being able to work with them. I, you, you, there's, I can talk about this forever. So be careful. Uh, maybe I should I direct me, though. redirect <laughs> me for a moment. The folks can't see you, but I can. And there's so much pride just evident in your description of this. I want to understand where's the pride coming from? What made this so uniquely different for you? The collaboration between Oriental Land Company and Imagineering and the project management of OLC was incredibly complex and very difficult. But I'll, I'll give you an example why I felt successful, right? Here's one example to, to give a vivid idea of what I'm talking about. This is another culture and there's a thousand year history of carpenters. Mm. You know, there's a thousand year history of craftsmen who do innumerable styles of plaster finishes that go back centuries. Okay. They know what they're doing. They're very proud of their skills and very capable. And I am, I'm coming in and I'm going to say, I want you to forget everything that you've ever done. And I want you to do something very different. You have to explain this to somebody who's, this is completely not what they do, but you're saying everything in this land is made by an, a critter. It's called critter country. So it's either hand hewn or it's plugged with a peg or it's this or it's that, you know, it has to look like animals built it. Animals have to build this. So the construction has to be absolutely discernible. You have to understand, oh yeah, they did this. They did that. It has to look this way. So one guy, his name was Mono-san and he, it was like clicked in his mind because a lot of it, when you work on a project like this, 
there's a lot that's not in the design that has to be done in the field. It's mm. field art directing because it just costs too much to completely design every square inch of something. So there's a lot of filling in as you go along and you build a set of solutions that you're able to go back to each time. One of the things that we added that wasn't in the scope was this inhabiting the land with critters. So we put all these little critter houses on the side of a hill or in the walkway in the concrete walk paths. We have little animal footprints. You'd have a, a little footprint path coming from here and another one coming from different animals, and then they would stop. So you would tell the story of the little paths and they would stop. And then you would see that they would turn around and go their paths or they would cross paths or go this way. Mm -hmm. So you would tell all these little silly stories in the, the surface of, of the land. Well, this guy went out on his own. We taught him how to do it with latex. So you would mm -hmm. take a, a real piece of tree or bark. You'd take a latex mold of it. Then you would push it into the wet cement, pull it off, and then you would have the impression of the bark. And then you could just finesse it, right? He'd go out in the woods on his own in the weekend. And he bought his own latex and he had a little canvas bag. And in it, he had a series of latex molds that he took from rotted wood, little wooden uh, wood knots that he got off the side of a tree or bark. And he's, he's like 60, 65 years old. He's a senior guy. And the fact that he embraced this and went off. And one of the things that happened was, because, you know, I told you about this straight line. You couldn't cross the line. Well, Monosan only worked over here with this company and someone else had their own set of talent and we had to work and train each group. He was the only person that was allowed to move from location to location because he had his own tools and everybody respected him as a craftsman. He's a senior craftsman and he was able to move around. To me, I don't know. That to me is really incredible to have that kind of moment with another culture and have this little small story of it. one man who was able to shine in a way that he never imagined that could do just by coming on this job because it was a Disney job. I think that's cool. It's very cool. <laughs> so from that accomplishment and the success of that, what are some takeaways that you have for leaders? What would you like to tell leaders out there from that story? I would say observing looking around, seeing the talent that's there, plowing the way so that they could do their work, um, removing the obstacles and encouraging them and telling them the why behind it. He understood what we were doing was creating little homes for critters all through the land and he embraced it and then let him do it. Let him do his job. Don't over art direct him just point him in the right direction and let him do his best work. So that's what I'm using that story. To, I'm glad you asked the question because I was able to actually say why it was important from mm -hmm. a leadership perspective. And the fact that it was cross-cultural and cross-company and that everybody embraced it and no one said no because we had the good why. We had a very good reason why we were doing that. Okay, JB, what'd you think about Patrick's greatest accomplishment? I really love hearing how Imagineering thoroughly thinks through all the details 
to make sure that the guests have the best possible experience. So I think that's really cool. And in this case, Patrick was able to bring people together from all different kinds of groups in order to fulfill that creative vision. He says those words multiple times, fulfill the creative vision. And um, again, I just think it's inspiring to bring that many creative minds together to create one complete experience. What did you think? Yeah, it goes back to his leadership philosophy that he shared with us early on that he's a part of the team and you truly can see it that he is a part of the team and he's in there doing everything he can so they can bring this to life and bring it from the perspective, which I just loved, of critters. And can you just imagine like how would these these critters use these tools and how would they live? And it's just fascinating to hear him share that story and just being a part of it and giving the context. It's so cool. I completely agree. Our guest is Patrick Brennan. And when we come back, we'll hear about his greatest adversity, which involves managing creative conflict. Please stay with us. Welcome back to Leadership Life Stories. I'm JB Adams. My co-host is Rebecca Morgan, and our guest is Patrick Brennan, former Vice President of Creative Development at Walt Disney Imagineering and current freelance attractions designer. This segment is called The Greatest Adversity, and it's where we acknowledge that leaders are human, and each of us has challenges to face. Okay, so Rebecca, before we jump into the interview, again, we have to set a little bit of context, and this is a very simple thing that I want our listeners to know. Patrick is going to label his greatest adversity as conflict resolution, but I just want to remind everyone that he's talking about conflict resolution in the context of managing creative people in a for-profit business. Yeah, absolutely. So he's going to talk about the balance and how you balance that. Yeah. So it's not just creativity for the sake of having fun. It's It's got to lead somewhere. It's got to create a magical experience that people are, are willing to pay money for. So we asked Patrick to name his greatest adversity. Here it is. I would absolutely say conflict resolution. Conflict resolution when you're confronted with a high stakes issue that is going to affect a lot of people and the company's bottom line, and you have to make the right decisions. Conflict resolution with creative talent who are competing for something. They have different ideas about the same thing and each one wants to win. Conflict resolution when you have a project manager who says, what is wrong with you? Why are we still working on this? This is done. And, and the artist is saying, no, 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 we're halfway there. You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, all of those things are, are, are problems. Within a person's own individual career, when they are resisting something that needs to be done, or they're not accomplishing it, or they're failing, or someone has aspirations to do something that they're not capable of doing. And you have to sit down and tell them the reasons why they're not ready yet. And you have to have good reasons, okay? All of those things are different aspects of the same thing, where you are dealing with another human being, and you have all the dynamics of their mission, their goals, their emotions, their sense of satisfaction, their sense of success, and then your own, or sometimes you're representing someone yeah. else's. 
the key to it, as far as I'm concerned, is to remove yourself from it. It can't be personal. If you're feeling it's personal, you have to work on getting that out of the way first. It cannot be a personal situation. So if it is, that's a totally different problem, a totally different approach. Wait, can I question for, that? Yeah, go ahead. I have a question. From the leader's point of view, it can't be personal. But when you're working with someone who's maybe a direct report for you, for that person, it is personal. Yeah, but you have to separate that. You have to be able to reach them and, and explain to them that the decision isn't personal. Okay. You have to have a good reason for it. Even if it is because bad behavior or a mistake, mm -hmm. you have to explain why it is considered bad behavior. You have to explain why it is considered a mistake or the wrong direction. So you have to get to the root of it. It's a lot of communication explaining. So to me, that was the huge challenge for all of this because you're dealing with human emotions mm -hmm. and you have to come out of it on the other side with clarity that everybody understands the why behind it, the reason why this is a challenge that we have to overcome. So this is what I like. You know, it's the biggest challenge for me, but I kind of look for these moments. I do because I want to see forward motion. I want the creative idea to be completed. I want the project to go forward. I want the person's career to be successful. I want the leader to be happy with Imagineering, the other side, the other partner, to be respectful and honor and, and, and trust Imagineering. So you got to fight for it. You got to work your way through it. And you have to, okay, I'm going to say it. This comes from my little bit of my post Disney experience, which would put it into words, which was you got to lead with love. Yeah. You got to love the other person. You got to care about them enough to tell them the truth sometimes mm -hmm. or agree to disagree and say, let's move this up. We can't resolve this conflict. Let's set it up. You tell what's important to you and I, I want to hear it and I'll tell you what's important to me and I want you to hear it and let's move it up. But it's not personal. I'm not angry with you and you should be angry with me. If we have to move it up because we can't decide, then so be it. Let's move it up. There are other people who are paid more than you and me that have to make those kinds of decisions. So let's do it together, not as enemies. And Patrick, here's my follow-up. If you will indulge me for just a moment, let's imagine that I report to you and I'm in Imagineering and I'm creative and I have gotten attached to my idea and you have to tell me that my idea didn't win, but I'm attached to it. What's your approach? First of all, I would look at the idea and I would talk about all the, the, the positives. I would let them know that I understand why they feel strongly about this and that I can see it. I can see your idea. I like your idea, but guess what? When it comes down to it, you don't decide and I don't decide. There are other people who are making this decision. Now, if you want to be that person someday, you want to be the decider so that you can get your ideas across all the way to the finish line, then you're going to have to do these things. You have to become the head of Imagineering. You have to become the head of a park. But if you're not, then you're part of it. Mm -hmm. And we're all part of it. And you either accept this role or think about 
what you want to do with your career, which way you want to go. So it's first recognizing their commitment and understanding, but then you have to be honest about the reasons why something was decided otherwise. And it could be very mundane reasons that are painful to accept, like time and budget. And by the way, there's another day coming. This is not the end of anything. This is just part of the process. Thank you for indulging me. Stop it, I'm winning today. Yay, you win again. Oh, Patrick, leadership, man, who knew it could do this to you? I don't know if I even need to ask this question because I think you just, you just spelled yeah. it out. Is there a takeaway from that? First of all, I would make sure you're in the right industry, you're in the right place, that you feel personal commitment and passion for what you're doing. It doesn't matter what it is. If it's something that you like and are enjoying, that's number one, be in the right place where you can bloom. Then I would absolutely suggest that you learn everything you can all the time, always be learning what's new, what's happening, understand the technologies that are coming, be excited about it, project that, and then be practical, bring your practical side and make sure that you are looking for the obstacles, being ahead of the game so you can move forward. Be strategic that way. You gotta be thinking about the next few steps and the end result that you want. So. Um, there's something we didn't talk about earlier, which I thought was interesting about when I first moved to Glendale, in my last chapter of my career. And the very first week I was there and I was in a leadership meeting and they were pushing the leadership team to come up with a mission statement. All these different ideas out there and they're all up on the table. And, and I'm kind of like listening because I'm new to the team and you know I'm a little, a little bit self-conscious and I don't want to say the wrong thing and I want to make a good impression, but they're all saying this and they're really getting excited about some of the other ones. And there was one up there that I kept on going, yeah, but that's really, that says it all. And it was the one that states happy people make the world a better place. And I could not see any other statement that could say it better uh -huh. because it's not only about being happy to be in the leadership team, wanting to lead a group of happy people that would then produce great product for people to enjoy and all the guests would be happy enjoying it and the operators would be happy to to manage it and so that's it that is a perfect statement for disney that's what we freaking believe that's why we're in this business that is what walt believed and so that's our legacy our heritage so i just was able to push that when my turn came and I said all those things I just said it for the moment I think it added to the the final decision for the group to say yeah and so we we adopted that <laughs> it was those amazing happy people make the world a better place all right Rebecca let's reflect on what we heard regarding Patrick's greatest adversity what do you think what I hear is Patrick truly is that bridge. He has this gift to be able to understand the vision or the why of operations and the needs of the business with that 
of creatives and artists. And he's able to bridge that together. And this is a true gift because that type of role, it isn't easy to do. Yeah, it's very hard to do. Yeah. How about you, JB? What's your takeaway? Patrick said something that means a lot to me. And it, to me, is a sign that he really cares about the people, kind of getting back to his role model, Marty Sklar. When he said leading with love, mm. that to me is really a sign. You're leading creative people. You need to care about the people. And you also mm -hmm. care about their ideas because those ideas are coming from a very personal place. So again, explaining the why, particularly when you're working through conflict means you're taking care of the people you're leading with love. And I would just fall back on this as a takeaway. If you're not sure how to lead in a certain situation, try leading with love. That doesn't mean being soft. It doesn't mean that you let people steamroll over you. It means that you're just really honest with them and you show them trust and respect, even in the face of conflict. That's a beautiful takeaway and reflection, JP. Thanks for sharing. Our guest is Patrick Brennan, and when we come back, we'll hear his best advice for leaders. Please stay with us. Welcome back to Leadership Life Stories. I'm Rebecca Morgan. My co-host is JB Adams, and our guest is Patrick Brennan, former Vice President of Creative Development at Walt Disney Imagineering and current freelance attraction designer. This segment is called Leader's Best Advice. It gives our guests the opportunity to share some tips and ideas that any leader can apply. So Patrick, what's a regular practice or book or resource that you recommend for leaders? I think you have a book in mind that is meaningful to you. I think a couple of them. I, I think um, Start With Why from Simon Sinek. And I also like the truly inspirational and amazing uh, story of Randy Pausch, The Last Lectures. Exactly. I, I think both of those I also think the uh, the whole story of Pixar, the early beginnings of Pixar, that they, you know, created that organization and the challenges they had with Toy Story one and two, some great leadership stories there. I think the Pixar model is truly inspirational about the way they move a creative idea forward and how brave they are. I think if you look at the story of Toy Story two, it's formative. It is really important that here they were a remarkable success they have this new corporation that is gently twisting their arm to do it again just like the first one and they were succumbing to that pressure a little bit of trying to just do chapter two of that story and that's not what they should have done and they were two-thirds through this is truly brave two-thirds through their production and they decided we have to throw this all out. We can only keep, I think they kept like a name or a character or something. And so they started over because they were falling into the trap of sequel and not and they, telling an original story. Yeah. They were not living up to their own standard. Mm -hmm. Yes. So to me, that is remarkably brave. And it's what is the heritage of uh, Pixar that continues the bravery of throwing out two thirds of what you've done and starting again for creative vision is remarkable. And it is a successful model in this case, mm -hmm. because that set in motion everything that followed. Yeah. All right. The story is king and the characters are king. You have to be or queen. 
you have to want to be with these people, these characters that you've created. You want to be with them. You want to hang out with them. They have to be those kinds of characters that you love and that make mistakes and that learn from them, just like Pinocchio. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and they have lived up to that ever since. I would. They say. really have. They really have. Uh, this is just my brief, curious question. Did you work with Randy Pausch? I did not, unfortunately. Okay. I did have a, a short opportunity because he passed away. We we were putting a, a little plaque to recognize his contribution, and we put it in the Magic Kingdom hmm. next to a topiary. I think I can't remember exactly the quote, but it's basically: if you want to be invited, you have to bring something to the table. I'm and gonna go look for that. Where, yeah, what, it's where, okay. it's near the teacups. Okay, and the planter near the teacups. Okay, and I got to be with his family, hmm. and and walk them into the park and show them the plaque and just hear them and talk to them and meet them. So it was emotional and was real, and it made me appreciate his message even more. You left Disney in 2016. Tell us what you're doing now. What I'm doing right now is I am fulfilling some personal dreams that I have about my art and about a little piece of property that I have in North Carolina. And then I'm also currently an adjunct professor at UCF teaching a master's level course in themed experience. We don't say design or we just leave it like that, themed experience, because it goes to whatever people are doing. It could be a restaurant or an escape room, or of course, an attraction. Ooh, but you're still available, right? Folks can- Yes, oh yes, yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. All right. So with the work you do now, what advice do you have for leaders? Never ask anyone to do something you would not be able to do or be willing to do. It's always, I think, a very good advice. But I, I would absolutely say, um, love what you do love the people you do it with and think of the end user. Perfect. I absolutely love it. I wanted to add to that, Patrick. So I want you to think back to that 22 year old kid who was preparing to be the starving artist. What <laughs> advice do you have for that young Patrick? Oh, carry on. Life will open up new doors for you. Be true to yourself. Believe in your abilities and give it a try. Don't be afraid to fail and take the risks. That's what I did. And that's what I think put me in the direction of the career that I had. Be a little fearless. Patrick, we're about to wrap up our time. And as you think about what brought us together to tell your story, which is an examination of Disney leadership on the occasion of the 50th anniversary of Walt Disney World, what message would you like to share with our listeners? Come and join us step into our world. Let's share this moment together. And I would say, have fun. Patrick Brennan, thank you for joining us on Leadership Life Stories and sharing your story. It was a great pleasure. The pleasure was all mine. Thank you for uh, inviting me to be part of this. Okay, JB, what do you have as a reflection from what Patrick shared with us? All right. Well, so when we started with part one, I was very excited and I'm still very excited and now particularly moved because I think this segment just sort of brings it all together. 
when you think about that artistic kid who thought he was going to be a starving artist and you put it together with the aspirational focus of the Disney product that we want our guests not just to be transported in time and place, but they get to be the hero of their own story. And that's what it means to me is Patrick's dreams came true. And he wants everyone else to sort of find a way to make their own dreams come true too. What do you think, Rebecca? He sure does. And yeah, my takeaway is, like he said, be fearless. Do not be afraid to give something a try because you never know the opportunities that are going to open up and come to you for just going out there and giving it a go. So that's the takeaway is just do not be afraid, power through and go for it. I love it when we can end on an inspirational note. And with that, I would like to say, Rebecca Morgan, thank you for being my co-host on Leadership Life Stories. It's always a pleasure. I learned so much from you and I couldn't do it without you. Oh, JB, you know, I'm a little sad that this is the end, but it's only the end of this one. This brings us to the end of part two of a two-part interview with Patrick Brennan. In our next episode, we will be back again with another Disney leader. So please join us. We'll see you soon. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again soon with another episode. You can find Leadership Life Stories and all other Victor Media Group podcasts at victormediagroup.co. Leadership Life Stories was created by J.B. Adams and executive produced by Gerard Mitchell. Today's episode was co-hosted by Rebecca Morgan and J.B. Adams. Sound designed by Michael Orlowski, mixing and editing by Manny Simone. It's the mission of Victor Media Group to make the world a better place by making ourselves better people. If you like this show, follow us at Victor Media Group on your favorite social media platform. This is JB Adams, and until next time, remember, if you can dream it, you can do it.